0: Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with you, Odia, oh and I plead with Syntish to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal Yorkfella, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the Book of Life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving or receiving, except you only even when I was in Thessalonica you sent me aid and again and again when I was in need not that I am looking for a gift but I am looking for what may be credited to your account I have received full payment and even more I am amply supplied now that I have received from Apaphroditus the gifts you've sent they are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice and pleasing to God and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.
1: Thank you, Di, for that lovely reading. Can I just underline those of you who are interested in a sealed bid for the paintings, you'll need in your envelope to put your name, your mobile number and details of the painting. Describe it so that we're left in no doubt which painting you're bidding for. And if you're coming tonight with a chequebook, uh, please make your cheque payable to the Spring Harvest Charitable Trust or if you're in a hurry, the SHCT. All proceeds tonight will go towards Stop the Traffic. All proceeds from the sale of the paintings will go in the same direction through the Spring Harvest Charitable Trust. You heard RT yesterday bearing his heart in how much in, publicly when he's speaking he finds it very difficult to smile. He looks a real sour puss in public. But I want to reassure you that in private, he, he can be hilarious, and he and I, as Sharon chalet. we've been in tears this week laughing together about various things in relation to our lives and our, and our ministries. And he's got a great sense of humor, and I, I do pray for him daily, Lord, may the joy of the Lord be our tea's strength, and may it show in his countenance and conduct. That's one of many prayers I pray for him. But I wanted to tell you about one humorous incident. We were together. You okay?? <laughs> yeah. Thought you were finished. You taken your tablet? <clears throat> Did you take the tablet? Okay. But well, we were together, we were celebrating with four of us, in the Hilton Hotel in Park Lane. On the 24th floor, is called Windows on the World. And they do a superb buffet breakfast. And um, they have windows overlooking Buckingham Palace Gardens. You can, see, you can see the helicopter landing. You can see the corgis. Hyde Park, Northland. It's a fantastic location. We were having breakfast there. And um, suddenly, suddenly into the room, this is absolutely true, came the most beautiful group of women I have ever seen in my life. It was awesome, and they were just grinning and smiling at everybody. So we called the head waiter over, Mr. Pellegrini, we said, Mr. Pellegrini, what's going on? He said, haven't you heard? We said, no. He said, last night, the entire Miss World contestants stayed the night here, they're on their way to South Africa for the Miss World contest, and uh, they're here for breakfast this morning. I've never seen R. T jump up from his table to go to the buffet uh, as fast as ever, ever. But <clears throat> he didn't come back and sit down at our table, he went and sat at another table where were three beautiful girls and I said to the chaps on my table, he's up to mischief, I know it, in my waters, he's up to mischief. He was there so long and then I said, guys I want to repent because I I happen to know that R.T. frequently, seriously, carries with him gospel tracts in many nationalities from his days at Westminster Chapel when it was a very multicultural, multiracial congregation. And I've frequently been in a taxi with him or just in the street. He's met somebody and he finds out what country they come from. He takes out his tracts and he gives the appropriate one in their own language. I said, guys, I repent. Maybe he's witnessing to them. So he comes back to the table. He says, I suppose you want to know what I was up to. I said, well, I did think you were doing something mischievous. Then I repented and thought you were probably witnessing to him. No, he said, the truth is, I said, you know the guy over there with the red hair? Would one of you just come across to our table in about five minutes and look at him in the eyes and say, thank you for the wonderful time you gave me last night? I said... What happened? He said, said you were there a long time. Yes, he said, it's only after five minutes I discovered that none of them spoke English. (laughs) That's a true story, unfortunately it's not on the DVD. (laughs) Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for our tea, for the man of God that he is, for the fun, the friendship, and for what we've received from you. Through his lips and his life. We pray this morning that he will be anointed by your Holy Spirit in a fresh way and he'll be the best that he could be because he relied on you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, it's really been wonderful to be here this week, to be back in Britain, uh, to have Lyndon introduce me every day uh, he's the best friend I've ever had, and I'm just really blessed to have a friend like that. A, fr- a, a true friend is someone who knows all about you and still likes you, and Lyndon is, is my friend. And he does pray for that. You know, I was watching, or uh, uh, we were here last night, uh, and listening to Steve chalk, and uh, I mean, here is probably one of the greatest communicators in the world. And you know what? He smiles. <laughs> I can only think that with, with his communication skills and my theology, we could save the world. <laughs> All right. It's time to say goodbye. Thank you. And we look at Philippians chapter 4. Now, the key word for chapter 1 was providence. Chapter 2, priority. Chapter 3, progress. The key word in chapter 4 is peace. Now, what I want to do today is to start at the end of the chapter and work forwards. And if I told you that the Lord told me to do this, I would be violating what I preached. You know, a number of people came up to me and had good questions, and uh, they were so good that in the second time yesterday, I answered them then. But for those of you who wondered, the the question was, uh, what if you feel the Lord really has shown you something or told you this, and, and you feel like you should go to somebody? And I said, well, that is a very good question, and my honest answer would be is to say, This is very much on my heart. I think that it might be the Lord. You're safe that way. In fact, it's even more powerful sometimes. And so, I'm not going to say the Lord told me to start at the end and work forward. I just think it might be. We'll find out at the end if it works out, because I want us to begin with verse 19 of chapter 4, one of the great promises in all Scripture. When Paul says, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This verse is in the context of the first thing I want us to see today, generosity. It begins when, in verse 15, Paul says, as you Philippians know, In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account." There is another reference to the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, When we give generously, Uh, Do not underestimate. God does not forget these things. Doesn't help you get to heaven, but all this, it does have something to do with the prize, the reward. And that is exactly what Paul means here. Your generosity will not be forgotten. Now, there is a principle that cannot be underestimated and it's put like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, when I came to Westminster Chapel uh, in 1977, uh, one of the first things I did, uh, believe it or not, I started preaching on the subject of tithing. Uh, I did this because when I first came, it was just to be for six months. I agreed uh, that I'd I'd come for six months, then I'd go back to America. And during that six-month period, some of them said, "Would, would I stay? And I thought, well, I don't think so. But in case I do, I want you to know everything I believe. And so I started preaching tithing. And I thought, if this puts them off, that's fine. I won't be obliged to stay. Well. I preached it then, and it began to be something they took on board. You see, I had a head start on this. My dad taught me to tithe. I'm so grateful. When I was 10 years old, I had my first job. It was selling a magazine called Grit. Don't know why it was called that. Dad said it was his first job when he was a little boy and what was good enough for him was good enough for me and he had to wait until you were 10 and you sold the little grit newspaper to the members in your neighborhood. Ten cents a copy. Well, after the first week, we counted up how much money I'd taken in and then how much money had to be sent to the home office in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And it turned out that I had earned 50 cents. And I was so pleased, whereupon at that moment, my father put his finger on a nickel, which is five cents, and said, that, my son, is the Lord's. I said, that is mine. (laughs) No, R.T., this is the Lord's. No, it's mine. This is the Lord's. I wanted to talk about this because you're having an offering tonight. And I wanted to point out that if you rob God by not giving Him His tithe, then maybe some of you owe God some money and it's a good time to to give it. I hope there'll be a great offering tonight. Nobody can accuse me of any self-interest. It doesn't come to me, it comes to spring harvest, doesn't go to them, it goes to this wonderful thing that has been talked about all week. Now, not trying to play into a guilty conscience here, that wouldn't do any good. When Paul says, whoever sows generously will reap generously, then he goes on to say, each should give what he has decided. So, God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give it out of guilt but do consider maybe you owe the Lord a lot. In any case, if you are a tither, you cannot outgive the Lord. And uh, the peace that flows from doing this is indescribable. And so if you're wanting to know peace, this is one way forward. It is a step forward. And remember, at the end of the day, My God will supply all your need. And I've learned this again and again and again. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's always just on time. Generosity. The second, goodness. It's put like this in verse 8. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things." I don't know how many of you would have happened to go to Broadcasting House in Langham Place. But to this day, you will see a marble plaque on the wall. It's in Latin. It is quoting Philippians 4 verse 8. And the earliest prayer of the governors of BBC, it was their desire that all that would ever be broadcast, believe it or not, would reflect Philippians 4 8 what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. And says Paul, put this into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. There's no substitute for this kind of peace. And so we're talking now about goodness. Generosity, goodness. People ask, how can I know the will of God? And I've come up with a little acrostic that may help. And it is five letters forming the word peace. When you aren't sure what to do, the first question, is it providential? You're praying whether to go on a holiday, whether to get this job, whether you should do this. Well, ask, is it providential? What that means is this. Does the door just open up? Or do you have to knock it down? If you have to twist the arm of providence, not right. Something's not in order. But when you just walk through the door, God did that. But that's only the first. Second, enemy, the devil. What do you suppose the devil would want you to do? Now most of us have a pretty shrewd idea what the devil would want you to do. Figure out what the devil would want you to do and then do the opposite. Now, when it comes to fidelity in marriage, the devil would want you to be unfaithful. So, we would do the opposite. And as I think of this verse, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, could it be That there is someone here you are as i speak involved in an affair were that word to leak out would wreck your life nothing would ever be the same again i was awakened in the middle of the night thinking of this verse and how it was laid on me to emphasize this could it be you're either in the middle of an affair or you are almost heading in that direction I would plead with you right now on bended knee break it off break it off now the day will come you would give a thousand worlds to turn the clock back to this moment whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely. First, is it providential? What would the enemy want you to do? A, authority, the Bible. Is it biblical? Is there anything that you're thinking of doing, job, holiday, meeting this person? And as long as it is, the Bible gives you a green light, you can con- continue. C, confidence. Does your confidence increase or diminish as you think of proceeding in this way? I find the degree to which I know I'm in the will of God, I have a greater confidence. When I lose that confidence, something has gone wrong. And finally, E, ease. In your heart of hearts, is there ease? When I know I'm in the middle of God's will, there's this ease, this wonderful peace. And that is what Paul is talking about in chapter 4. You do what leads to peace. Or to quote Shakespeare, to thine own self be true. The Holy Spirit will never ever lead you to do anything that goes contrary to your conscience. And so, you need all five to coalesce. One out of five isn't enough just because it's providential or just because you've got more confidence. Four out of five aren't enough. If all five come together, good possibility that you can proceed and know that God is with you. Because what the Holy Spirit will lead us to is goodness. And what follows from that is, Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, living like this brings you to this kind of peace. And then he makes the most stupendous claim. Verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This is the way you overcome impossible odds. Odds are that most people here at some point will be unscrupulous in your business odds are if you're like most in the world you'll be unfaithful in marriage odds are you will continue to complain odds are you will hold a grudge odds are you will be a bitter person but you can overcome all these odds through christ who gives you strength goodness third gratitude we look now at verse six for what it's worth this is one of my two or three favorite verses in the Bible it's my favorite verse from Philippians I would have loved to spent the whole morning on this do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, how many times have you had the occasion when you read a verse many times and then saw something for the first time? Well, I knew about this phrase, with thanksgiving. But here's what happened. When I was in Westminster Chapel uh, in um, January 1985, we introduced the book of Philippians and uh, spent two years in Philippians, preached 80 sermons from Philippians. When we got to chapter 4, verse 6, and I was preaching that morning, and came to that phrase, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I have to tell you, this does not happen to me every day. In fact, I I blush to tell you how few times this has happened, but I was so convicted in the pulpit as I spoke that I could hardly wait to sit down and run to the vestry and say, Lord, I am so sorry that I have been ungrateful. I am so sorry. And I made a vow that day. I didn't make it to him. I just promised myself that I was going to make up for the years where I just took things for granted. I keep a journal. I've kept a journal for years and years and years. I could tell you where I was on the 10th of August, uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon in 1984. I I just do that. And... uh, what I did on the Monday morning after that Sunday when I preached on Philippians 4:6, as I went through my journal recording the events of the day before, I promised I would thank God for every little thing. I have done that now for 21 years. This morning in our chalet, I just went through yesterday, uh, and I thanked God for uh, being on Rod Frost 's program. Things went well uh, uh, phil wall and my 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 new friend Russ Rook I mean uh, and we walked across the the uh, premises together and I thought i'd found a new friend and I, I just went through the day and thanked him for every little thing. God likes that and Here was the feeling I had, if I could make up for the years that I had lost by just taking things for granted. It reminded me of a a deacon at Westminster Chapel, Bob George, he died a couple years ago since we retired. He can remember when I first came to Westminster Chapel, I asked the question, how many of you, how many of you have never led a soul to Christ? And and Mr. George said uh, to himself, I was so ashamed, I've never led a soul to Christ. It wasn't too long till we started our pilot light ministry. Witnessing in the streets of Victoria, giving out tracts and the first person to come out on the streets was Bob George. He said, I'm gonna make up for the years that I did not do this. The last time I talked to him, he led over 500 people to the Lord. People say, well, were they all converted? Some of them were. One of them went into the Anglican ministry. I guess you have to be converted to go into the Anglican ministry. (laughs) I felt that way when it came to gratitude. I thought, I have not taken the time. And I just determined, one day, I felt like I was having a conversation with the Lord. It went something like this. He said, RT, I put you in Westminster Chapel. You're from Kentucky. Do you realize what I've done for you? I said, yes. Are you grateful? Well, yes. You've never told me. I thought, I'm sorry. Yes, Lord, I am very, very grateful indeed. And he began to show me other things. And it was like my whole life. Well, Lord, you know I'm thankful. And this verse has caused me to want to be a grateful person. Do you remember the account when Jesus healed the ten lepers? All of them were healed. One of them came back and said, thank you. And the first comment Jesus made was, where are the nine? So, God loves gratitude. He notices ingratitude. And so, when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but... In everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and take the time. When I go through my journal and thank Him for all the little things, do you know it takes about 30 seconds to do that? It doesn't take long and it will change you even with people. You begin to be thankful and thank Him for every little thing. All right, generosity goodness gratitude but now the fourth gentleness verse 5 let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near I want to read from the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 32 this is how John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the true Messiah. John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I've not known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is another verse that I had read Hundreds of times, but one day I picked up on this word remain. Now I have known, I'm sure you have, what it was like for the dove to come down. And you know that in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is depicted as a dove. That's not the only way, he's also depicted as fire, he's depicted as oil, he's depicted as wind, but here as a dove. And a dove is a very, very gentle bird. Pigeons and doves are in the same family, but they are altogether different in their temperament. The the day was you could go to Trafalgar Square and feed the pigeons. I've got a picture of our son and daughter uh, in Trafalgar Square. My son had four pigeons on every arm and two on his head. He thought he'd gone to heaven. Pigeons you can do that with. You couldn't get a turtle dove to come near Trafalgar Square. Pigeons are boisterous. Doves are gentle. Pigeons are belligerent. Doves are for peace. You can train a pigeon. You cannot train a dove. And so the dove... Is a very sensitive bird and this is one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit is depicted as a dove and you see there's a difference between a pigeon and a dove and there's also a difference between the counterfeit and the real I've had people say you should have been in our church Sunday the Holy Ghost came down in our church Sunday and you get to the bottom of it it was probably pigeon religion <laughs> to have the authentic Holy Spirit to come in is such a wonderful wonderful thing but here's the thing it will be when he feels welcome and it will be when we have something about us that will make him want to stay now here's my experience I've had the dove come down and when he comes down it is so wonderful I just want to say, Lord, please, don't leave. The peace, the joy, you can't imagine what it's like. And in that moment, I just find myself saying, Lord, I love you just as you are. I wouldn't change anything about you even if I could. But a few hours later, I think, Why don't I feel that way now? What happened was the dove just flew away. He's so sensitive. The easiest thing in the world to do is to grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, but it's true. When Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed under the day of redemption. He used a Greek word that means get your feelings hurt. So when the Holy Spirit gets his feelings hurt, the dove just lifts. That means you lose the anointing. You lose presence of mind, you find that you're irritable. And you think, oh, I wish I could bring back that sense of his presence. I would define spirituality as closing the time gap between sin and repentance. In other words, how long does it take you to admit you sinned? How long does it take you to admit you were wrong? Some take years. Wide time gap. They say, I will never admit I was wrong. Never. And then, and some go to their graves with that. And then there are some who say, well, yeah, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Some close the time gap to a few months and then they cool off. Some to a few weeks. Some apologize after a few days and say, I'm sorry. That's better. Some to a few hours some to a few minutes and some to a few seconds and if you can narrow the time gap to seconds you're able to maintain a relationship with the Holy Spirit where there's no discontinuity and the dove doesn't fly away now with Jesus the dove came down and remained because Jesus never grieved the Holy Spirit when I say it's the easiest thing in the world to do You can be in traffic, angry, with the driver in front of you. The dove just flies away. He won't bend the rules for any of us. You can be in a supermarket, and the person in front of you, slow, counting the change, and you go, you wanted them to hear you. They did. The dove did too, and he flew away. He won't bend the rules for any of us. A number of years ago, there was a British couple, who were sent by their denomination to be missionaries in Jerusalem, in Israel. And they were given a house to live in near Jerusalem. But they found out, after they moved into their house, after a few weeks, a dove had come to live in the eve of the roof of their house, and they were so excited. They saw it as a seal on their being in Israel. But they noticed that every time they would slam a door, the dove would fly away. Every time they would get into an argument with each other and start shouting, the dove would fly away. And one day, Sandy said to Bernice, and they told this story all over Britain, how do you feel about the dove? Oh, it's wonderful. Have you noticed that every time, every time we slam a door, the dove flies away. Every time we get into an argument, the dove flies away. She said, yes, and I'm so afraid that he might fly away and not come back. He said, we want the dove to stay, don't we? Yes. And then he looked at her and said, either the dove adjusts to us or we adjust to the dove. And it changed their lives just to keep a little bird in the eve of the roof of their house. The Holy Spirit is a thousand times more sensitive than that. And when we grieve him, the dove just flies away. When it comes down, presence of mind, I must tell you, when I was at Westminster Chapel, I would start my Sunday morning sermon preparation on Monday morning. But there was one week in particular when I was so busy preaching all over Britain and I didn't even crack a book. There was no time. It was now Saturday morning. I said, Lord, please help me. You know this has never happened before. Give me help to get me through this Saturday to have something for Sunday morning. It was nine o'clock that morning. I thought, Lord, don't let there be any interruptions, please. Louise and I got into an argument. We would say in Kentucky it was a dandy. Well, I'll have to tell you, she was horrible. (laughs) I slammed the door, went to my chair, began to pray. Lord, now give me something. Jesus, deal with that woman. (laughs) Eleven o'clock, nothing. Lord, please, please. One o'clock, nothing. Blank sheet of paper. Lord, please. Two o'clock. God, please help me. What I say tomorrow is going to be tape recorded. Who knows where it will be heard and you've got to help me. And I faintly heard a voice that said, really? (laughs) Three o'clock, four o'clock. Well, now it had crossed my mind that I might close the time gap by then, but I was waiting for her. (laughs) I went into the kitchen. She was tearful. I said, Honey, I'm sorry. It was all my fault. Well, it wasn't all your fault, it was partly my fault. No, it was all my fault. And I'm so sorry. We kissed, we hugged. I went back to the same chair, same paper, same Bible. In 45 minutes, I had everything I needed for Sunday. Why? The dove came down. He won't bend the rules for any of us. And we're talking now about the gentleness that will be apparent to all. And so it does matter whether in the house, in the home, in public, This gentleness comes by the dove, the Holy Spirit, being ungrieved. And what does Paul say? He says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You just cannot explain it. The depth of the peace is incalculable. It's when the dove comes down and the result is gentleness. But I come now to my last point. We've come to the beginning of the chapter when Paul now explains the problem of the disunity in the church at Philippi. He says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord." Now, perhaps you know exactly what this is like, to see factions in the church. And what are you going to do when two people aren't speaking to each other, or you've been hurt? And uh, it's an amazing sometimes how the person who hurts you the most is the one who had the reputation for being the most godly or the one you thought was such a, a, a wonderful person of prayer. I'm sure you've heard the little poem, Living with the Saints Above, oh, that will be glory. Living with the Saints Below, well, that's another story. <laughs> I plead with you, Odi and Sintica, and I have come to the conclusion that there is only one way forward. We've seen it in chapter 2, Being Like Jesus but it comes down to being gracious and that is the key word here graciousness graciousness is when you have got the goods on the person and they're really in the wrong and you could throw the book at them but instead you just let them off the hook and so this is what paul was wanting for them and it takes me back to what was, at the time, the worst moment we had ever known. Louise and I at Westminster Chapel. The greatest trial of my life. There is no way you could have convinced me that the outlook could ever be other than bleak. I cannot begin to tell you how bad it was. And I couldn't tell anybody. An old friend from Romania, his name is Joseph Tsong, happened to be in London. And I knew he wouldn't tell anybody. I decided to tell Joseph. Now, if I'm totally honest with you, the only reason I told him is that I thought he might put his arm around me and say, RT, you ought to be angry. Get it out of your system. You ought to be angry. He looked at me and he said, is there anything more? I said, no, that's it. If I could narrow 25 years down to 15 minutes that would turn out to be my finest hour. That's when Josephson looked at me and said, R.T., you must totally forgive them. For until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them, and you will be released. Nobody had ever talked to me like that in my life. Faithful of the wounds of a friend. I said, Joseph, I just remembered. I didn't tell you everything. Listen to this. R.T. I can hear him now in his Romanian accent. You must totally forgive them. Well, until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them, and you will be released. I said, Joseph, I can't. He said, you can, and you must. The hardest thing I've ever had to do. And if I were to hear your story, I would probably blush to think that I had this trial and thought it was so awful. There may be someone here today, you were abused as a child. Your spouse was unfaithful to you. Your best friend betrayed you. You were walked over by a church leader. I remember receiving a letter from the north of England where the lady described what their son-in-law had done to their daughter and grandchildren. And It was horrible. Then at the end of the letter, she said to me, do I have to forgive him? And it wasn't easy to write back and say, mm mm-hmm, you have to forgive him. There's a principle here. The greater the suffering, the greater the anointing. You may have gone through the severest trial of anybody in this big top. If you have gone through such, the angels would only say to you, congratulations, because you have a potential anointing and usefulness that the person sitting next to you doesn't have. They haven't suffered like you have. So instead of using it as a rationale for self-pity, take it with both hands and say, God, I forgive them. Total forgiveness is not approving of what they did. God doesn't approve of your sins, but He wipes the slate clean. He lets you off the hook. It is not necessarily reconciliation. Just because you forgive doesn't mean that you'll be best of friends. If your best friend slept with your spouse, you forgive, but you probably don't go on holiday together. Or if you've heard of a Sunday school teacher who's abused children, you don't let him teach a Sunday school class. Total forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation and it is not living in denial. It's not total forgiveness when you just refuse to think about it. Total forgiveness is when you admit they did just that. And then you wipe the slate clean. You let them completely off the hook. And I have to tell you, it is an act of the will. Don't wait until you feel led. You never will. Or if you say, well, when they are sorry, then I'll forgive them. Look, soft words turn away wrath, even for non-Christians. What credit is it to you if they're sorry? And then you say, oh, don't worry. Total forgiveness to get the maximum benefits when they don't even think they've done anything wrong. By the way, if this little bit of the sermon convicts you, when the meeting is over, don't walk across the tent and go up to somebody and say well now look in the light of R.T's sermon I forgive you and they will say for what? Well you will say well you you know well I'm sorry but I don't. You do. I don't. Well you should. And now you've got a fight on your hands. The reason we go up to people and say, I forgive you, is because we haven't and we're wanting to hurt them and make them know we're hurt. You don't wait for them to repent. Chances are they don't even think they've done anything. That's the sad thing. 90% of the people we ever have to forgive, you can put them under a lie detector and they don't think they've done anything. It's got to happen in the heart. The only time you say, I forgive you, is when they are dying to hear it. Then that's different. an act of the will and you pray for them and when you pray for them you don't just say Lord I commit them to you never will forget one morning came into the pulpit and there in the service was somebody who had emotionally damaged one of our children now I find it easier to forgive those who hurt me than those who hurt our children and there this person was and i could hardly finish singing praise my soul the king of heaven another how could they be here during the offering as i sat down in the pulpit i had a conversation with the lord and it, it was something like this rt is it revival you want in westminster chapel oh yes how much do you want revival well a lot Which would you rather have, revival or me to bring judgment on that person? Revival. Do you mean that? Yep. (laughs) Then pray for that person. Okay, Lord, I pray for that person. No, pray for them. I'm praying for them. Ask me to bless them. Lord, bless them. Do you mean that? Yep. (laughs) I was not able to preach until I continued to say, Lord, bless them. Bless them. And then God, uh, as it were, said, do you really mean that? I said, well, but Lord, you wouldn't really do that, would you? Well, that's the point. When you ask them to be blessed, you mean it. And God may just take your word and bless them. How's that going to make you feel? And that's what Jesus is talking about. And that's what Yeodia and Syntica have to do. It's keeping no record of wrongs. And by the way, total forgiveness is when you don't tell anybody what they did. You may need to tell one person for therapeutic reasons. But don't tell two or three or ten or twenty or a hundred. Tell one. Perfect love casts out fear. 1 John 4 18. Fear has to do with punishment. You see, we want to punish them. And our weapon is the tongue to tell what they did. And so Paul, away from Philippi, is pleading with these two. And I wonder if there's anybody who would plead with you. The bitterness has gone on long enough, the dove has flown away you wonder why there's no peace do you know what you can go on a 40 day fast and if you have bitterness when you finish you're no better off you can have people lay hands on you and you can go to the floor but if you're bitter when you fall you'll be bitter when you get up unless God does work on you total forgiveness forgiveness You let them completely off the hook. You bless them, pray for them. The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the Greek means, forgive us our trespasses in proportion to the way we forgive those who trespass us. How does that make you feel? And so I'm asking you today, is it the peace you want that passes all understanding The only way for the peace is for the dove to come down, the gentle dove that leads to the graciousness and you let them off the hook. Going to have to close. Let's bow our heads together. I wonder if I could ask you to stay here for just one minute or so. Lord, I'm going to ask you to take this word and apply this word By your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Now, look at me. I'm going to see if there's anybody here you would like to be set free. And I would do you no favor to let you leave this big top without making a decision right now. In a minute not yet one minute from now I'm going to ask you if this message is for you and you know it I'm going to ask you to stand you say in front of all these people yes well, well they'll know I've had a problem yes but this will be the test whether you want the honor that comes from God or what people think meaning more if you're prepared to let them off the hook By standing, don't stand yet. In 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're prepared to forgive them, you're prepared not to tell anybody what they did. You say, it's too late, I've already done it. Don't do it anymore. Don't punish them by all that you can say about them to hurt their credibility. Let them save face and ask God to bless them. The only reason you're going to want to do it 10 seconds from now is because you want the anointing of the Spirit and the dove to come down and the peace and the joy more than you want them to get what's coming to them. If you're ready now to say, I forgive them. The angels are watching. This is a moment that could be the greatest censure conversion. If you're the person right now, will you stand to your feet? I'll wait 15 seconds. Does anybody else want to get in on this? This moment may not come around just like this. Seize the moment. Now, there's too many standing and it would be too chaotic to try to get you to come forward and we'd run out of time. I'm going to ask you to stay where you are And I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. Put your hands like this as if you want to receive from him. And repeat after me, you that are standing, out loud. Lord Jesus Christ, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. I'm sorry for my bitterness. Forgive me. I forgive them. You forgive them. Set them free. I set them free. I set them free. Come, heavenly dove. Come and remain. Thank you for your patience with me. As best as I know how, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in peace.